Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is CM Alexander with the news. It's a dark day for gamblers as the Maine Gambling Control Unit has suspended use of all slot machines statewide. This temporary ban is due to the sharp increase of slot machines being filled with buckets of blood. Wait, I've just received word a culprit has been arrested in Jerusalem's lot. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Kahn, alongside CM Alexander. Hello, everyone. And Benjamin Graham. Yo, Constant Breeders. And today we are finishing our Patreon selection of Desperation from Nick Tennant. And we are covering the 2006 TV movie adaptation. And Ben is leading our discussion. Ben, take it away. I'm doing what? What? Oh, (laughs) yeah. Okay. So I should have taken notes. Anyway, (laughs) uh, we just finished watching the Mick Garris directed (laughs) Desperation that somehow came out in 2006. (laughs) (laughs) It feels so 90s. Yeah, it does. I love it. It's insane (laughs) that I, I watched this. When it was first released on TV, I remember being very excited about it. Do you remember it at all? Not even. I remember being very excited. Ron Perlman was there Mm -hmm. thinking Ron Perlman is the best part of this. And then Ron Perlman not being in it anymore (laughs) and being noticeably less excited. Like, uh, but in my head, I remember watching this and in my head, I was like, a child <laughs> and not a senior in yes. high school like th- I this graduated four years before this came out yeah. and doesn't feel like it no I, I if you had asked me this came out in the you know mm-hmm. mid 90s yeah this is like 98 99 <laughs> and it has that energy and I mean that in the best way possible. It has possible. that Mick Garris energy. Absolutely. And Mick Garris moments, which we will get to. Yeah. It's his, he certainly has a style. And yeah. I love it. it is, <laughs> let's start by saying how accurate the adaptation aspect of it is. Absolutely. Starting off with the pullover scene. Mm-hmm. It, so much anxiety. Watching... It's reading about it is one thing, but seeing the car come up behind and then stay in the wrong lane Mm -hmm. for an uncomfortable amount of time before swerving around you again. I was, yeah, I was all anxious. Uh, That and I believe uh, studio engineer Devin said it best that if Ron Perlman pulled me over, (laughs) (laughs) I I would shit my pants. (laughs) Demon or not. Absolutely. Uh, he <laughs> looks yeah, like yes. Ron Perlman and thus is terrifying. And just intimidating from jump. Can we just get this out of the way at the start? All of the acting is great. It really is. It's it's really good. And I, I just wish we got more Ron Perlman. I, <laughs> You're right. More Ron Perlman and more like this should have been multi-episode series. We'll get to it, but yeah, not, I just want to put that out there. I want to yes. let it marinate. <laughs> I I completely agree. I didn't. I had to think about it for a second. Mm-hmm. But will my biggest complaint about this movie is that while it goes out of its way to be as accurate an mm-hmm. adaptation as possible, even with some of the stuff that is changed, which 
almost all for the better. Right. Yeah. It it goes out of its way so much to be an accurate adaptation, yet it leaves out all characterization. Yeah, the character development was it. It's just it, it happens so quickly too. We just spent two hours, little over two hours, watching this, and it did not feel like two hours. It. I don't we know that 40, I agree with that. Well, <laughs> I mean, not in the way we were forty-five minutes in, and it felt like twenty minutes of stuff had happened somehow no i agree with the first 45 minutes mm-hmm. at the 45 minute mark i asked can i get a timestamp?" because it was the scene where Kali is driving ellen to the pit mm-hmm. and i knew oh this is the last ron perlman we're gonna get <laughs> and i want to know how much we got and he's only there for the first third of the thing. And I knew at that point, oh, I'm going to lose interest here. <laughs> really quick. Were you glad they brought him back the moments that they did? It's very effective mm-hmm. when we do see him, uh, especially the spider crawling out of his mouth. Oh. <laughs> That's a good dummy. Yeah, that is. was a good, there's the some effects good, are, yeah. <laughs> good effects. Overall, what let's since we know the story, we don't really need to go <laughs> yeah. fully into it. What was y'all's favorite effect? Like, what was the best mm. makeup or some of the oh, mid or mid two thousands TV CGI? Not the funnest effect, but the like goriest, most effective for me is the scene between Ellen and Mary out in the alleyway where they have. They have a bra. Mary gets a a good punch in. She punches Ellen in the face, and you don't know like what she hit, what flew off of Ellen's head (laughs) right away until it cuts back to her. But you just see a glob of flesh, bloody flesh, hit Mm. the pavement, and then it cuts back, and you can see her. It's like part of her jaw. Her teeth are showing through. It's that's that might be my favorite one. Yeah, it's the sloughing really, skin sound uh, is yeah. always uh, and, and amazing. The, <laughs> the makeup of her teeth sticking out through yeah, her it was cheek, good. like could have looked so fakey, and it didn't. And the lighting in that scene was good too. It was not yeah. too bright, so it was all, yeah. it was so good that it distracted me from <laughs> the fact that they did not bother trying to make Ellen look bigger at all. They like Ooh, they yeah. tore some of her clothes a little bit, which it was a, a kind of a fine detail. <laughs> but she's still but she's still a noticeably small yes. woman. <laughs> like. There, there are some things like that, and more of the character development stuff. I was going to ask you guys, and I don't know if this is the best place to talk about it or do it just later. But did you do you feel like? If you hadn't read the book, some of this would have been utter nonsense. Yes, <laughs> I, I feel yes. like. I feel like they did a good job with taking all of this material and fitting it into two hours and changing, like you already said, Ben, what made sense and was appropriate to change. But there are some things that I was like, Mm -hmm. no way. Like you would just be like, okay, just along (laughs) for the ride. Johnny. A hundred percent. It is weird for me. To say (laughs) that I, I wish Johnny had been more like the book. Yeah. You know what? Let's commit to jumping all over the place. Let's talk about J- Johnny's arc. Okay. Straight up. What arc? There, there is no arc there, it, well, for there Johnny. Well, there is. There isn't. It's just very rushed, and it's not the same thing. Well, it's this. 
So in this version, we come to find out that uh, Johnny's big secret, the thing that's been haunting him his whole life, is that uh, there was a suicide bomber in the Viet Cong lookout who, for a reason that it, for, because movie, it's got tack eyes. So it's implied it's that it's tack, a connected yeah. de- demon to tack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we'll get but to it. Instead of saving anybody, he takes the coward's way out. He runs, saving no one and leaving everybody in that place to die. And it's been haunting him ever since. What was cool about this scene is right before he f- sees a guy with the bomb in the bathroom, mm-hmm. they do take a minute to build a little something because one of the soldiers asks him to autograph his book. Yeah. And you get this like moment of human connection with someone and then... He runs past that guy and you notice it because that guy knows who he is and he notices him. So it gives it. I thought that was good. It it, it was a nice way, a quick, nice way to give something more gravity. I almost like this scene. Mm -hmm. I almost because, yeah, I love that they set up and they show like, oh, this is the worst thing that Johnny has ever done is Mm -hmm. he was partying with all of these people. It's implied that they are all friends. There's camaraderie there. Part of the same, like traveling with the same troop. I I don't know military (laughs) terms. I think they're gangs. (laughs) Yeah. uh, But yeah, it was setting up that like he abandons all of these people. And even the thing where he walks in the, in the, the bathroom and this Vietnamese soldier has the bomb and he has the tack eyes. And, he's and he runs the tack. out. Yeah, he runs out. He sees like a vision of Kali and all of mm-hmm. the, and Ellen as tack. Yeah. And I was like, okay, so this is, this is all part of a weird like vision. that he, yeah. This isn't mm-hmm. literal. That's he, what right. I thought yeah. too. <laughs> he runs out of the building and Kali Atrajian covered in blood and like the really cool yeah uh decaying makeup that uh ron perlman had like he's conflating reality with like two traumas that happen at different times which i would have accepted me too because i mean a similar thing happens earlier when david has his vision Mm -hmm. uh the the vision sequences are pretty cool yeah Yeah. david seeing the glowing tommy knockers so uh is a cool sequence Mm -hmm. and so i was like oh they're doing that this is a god vision Mm -hmm. where you know johnny is seeing like oh this terrible thing that i did this is the way to make up for it yes yeah but then he mm-hmm. comes out of the vision and David's there behind him. And he's like, yeah, Tack was there. So David saw his vision? and Yeah, and David's like, yeah, you had to see Tack. To recognize it again. To know when it came back. And I was like, this is nonsense. This is, <laughs> I hated that. That, <laughs> home, that. that scene alone, I was having... I was enjoying it for the most mm-hmm. part up to that. And I was like, oh, this is almost too far for me. It seems between that and the setup for that, I was like, this feels racist somehow in a way that I can't quite put my finger on because like it's set up in the scene with the cougar. Mm-hmm. Cause they both take place in a bathroom. <laughs> yes. No, that's like, I, I mean, know. That's, yeah. I, yeah. Because even the bathrooms, uh, the bathroom in the, the theater and the bathroom in the Viet, not, uh, Viet Cong lookout. It, like, it's they the look, same set. Yeah, it's the same <laughs> set. But when Johnny sees the cougar attacking and he has a vision imagining the cougar, 
as a Vietnamese soldier. Mm-hmm. And that point I was like, oh, this feels, I don't, I don't know about this. Because mm. it felt like, oh, Johnny's realizing, oh, there's this evil force. Oh, no. Hunting oh, us. No. And you know what is also, that, you know. You know, I, I don't oh, know. I just it assume felt... it's a trauma flashback to. Because then it cuts yeah, to, because yeah. then it, sh- it shows that empty bathroom with the bomb in it by itself. Yeah, but him being like, oh, this is Johnny's saving the day moment. And to do it, he had to imagine shooting a Vietnamese man. It's not great. It, well, I think, I think <laughs> you're supposed to think it's definitely, obviously, trauma. But I think you are supposed to think that it's a really bad thing until you see the reveal of what the source of that trauma was. So I think you're right to lean into, ooh, this isn't a hero. Yeah. I think that's, at least that's how I read it. I don't know. It's, It's the only, but it's also the only thing that we really get of Johnny isn't great. Because all of the Johnny just also, being an asshole, mm-hmm. not there. Uh, I mean, he is, kind of, like, the scene in the back of the truck, he's a real dick to David. And the way he talks shit when Steve's like, I've lost my respect for you. And he's like, oh, no. He's sarcastic he's at so, most, I feel like. He's such a dick, yeah. I love it. And that's so late in the game that it yeah. hasn't been built up. Uh-huh. Uh, we are told by Steve that he has an ego. We're never shown that. Yeah. Like, it, I, like there's I never just, him bitching about the jacket and the see, belt. From it needs to be longer, right? <laughs> yeah, you agree no, with me that's now? That's what I agree yeah. with. To get the, and I know that while this isn't probably the most efficient way to condense Johnny's story, I get that if they can't explore the full yeah. depth of Johnny's story to not try, because that I would be worse, I think. I don't disagree with the chain, like... I don't disagree with that. I just want it. <laughs> I want I want something yeah. in the yeah. I want something that doesn't uh this is Johnny's redemption arc from being a coward as opposed to mm-hmm. Johnny's coming Ego. back to life. Yeah. yeah. That is mm-hmm. that's the stake is not him redeeming himself but coming back from death essentially. Yeah. And it's just yeah. the the weights aren't the same. Nick, you gotta redo this. <laughs> Let's ten get Ron Perlman back. Let's do this whole thing. Uh, no, I, I completely agree. It's the, the characterization is I, I wanted mm-hmm. more. I, I appreciate the ways they tried. I could definitely see little moments that each actor brought to their mm-hmm. character that I think served the the spirit of the character. But yeah, you know, it's a small bit that I really enjoyed. What? It's with Peter right before Peter dies. Mm-hmm. And Kali's moving them into the police station, and he specifically says he tells Peter he's useless, but that Mary looks healthy enough. Yeah, yeah, that's and a that good. Was subtle. Do, do do we think something was wrong with Peter? Like, was Peter dying? And I so he was oh, like, well, what? he could have a bladder infection. I mean, and that would be maybe something more severe if Tack was able to like just yeah, see him be like, cool. nope, and then kill him right then and there. That makes him killing him makes sense too. Cause yeah. even in the book, it seemed so random. This, mm-hmm. what you just, you bringing up that scene reminded me it was here where they're like having this back and forth as he's sort of pushing them along the sidewalk mm-hmm. and the different camera angles. I'm going to sound stupid. I don't know how to do this, <laughs> right, but there is something about the way the shots are set up and the way they use the music that made me feel like the, 
movie was constantly pushing at me, which I, I mean, yeah. in, t- in an intentional way, but mm-hmm. I never really felt, it felt like a constant wall of something always happening. There's no, like, there's no breathing space in this for a second for me. Which is awesome. And this is part of what I think what I meant when I said Mick Garris's style mm-hmm. is just the way everything is framed is so stylized and like the the fact that it all takes place in the desert and yet like i hadn't thought of it that way of it feeling kind of claustrophobic a little uh specifically when there are these shots up these like angled up at ron perlman and it has this clear blue desert sky Mm -hmm. And yet it still feels so Upsetting. dark, <laughs> yes. dark yes. and like it is, yeah, pressing mm-hmm. down on you. Mm-hmm. I, it's great. Mm-hmm. Ron Perlman is having the best fucking time. <laughs> I, we, we also, I think, at one point discussed about how much, how much of the person that Tack takes over is, mm-hmm. come, uh, their personality comes out. And if it's half of that, Kali seems like a real fun guy. <laughs> I've always liked Kali, and it's probably because I saw this when I was a baby in 2006. <laughs> this, is, this is interesting, because this is something that I was thinking about and trying to decide. I, I, there are a lot of things in this movie that kind of recontextualize the book for me. Mm-hmm. And part of it was like, all of the stuff in the book with Kali being kind of like jokey and everything, I was like, does, in retrospect, seeing it played out now, does that work for me? Because it, it is such a big thing in the first several scenes, and I love seeing Ron Perlman ham it up, mm-hmm. but it made me, seeing it play out on screen, made me think, I'm like, well, we're supposed to think of Tack as this like otherworldly non-human entity. <laughs> and I'm like, why is it other than it is unnerving, it is creepy to see a person who is behaving erratically and violently yeah. cracking jokes? Does it really work as a characteristic of Tack though? Because it also completely disappears in this and in the book, kind mm-hmm. of. Like once he Like he's putting it on. Just for them. Yeah. It's, I I, I don't know. I, I do like, I hadn't thought of it as an aspect of Kali. That Kali is just a goofball. I mean, think about the people in the book, at least, that we know that, that Kali personally killed. All of them are pretty theatrical and kind of fun. Compared to mm. just the regular shooting people and tearing people apart. I mean... He's yeah, creative. he really shows off. <laughs> He's got flair. Kali and he wants Trajan everybody to know it. Would be a prop comic. Yeah, but I can't argue. With it. <laughs> I don't understand it, On, it's, but I can't argue with it's it. It's for it's for us initially reading it because we don't know he's tack. So it's mm-hmm. it's gotta it's more unnerving for us before we know he's tack for him to be acting that way. But in retrospect, I think in on rereading, it will lose. Some of the weight. Awesome. You know what, though? Hmm. I also think maybe, it's, uh, you know, I'm just going to say it the way it came into my head. Being inside Kali probably feels pretty good. Because. Well, okay, so is- we. <laughs> moving on. No. Uh, so. Uh, <laughs> because it, it, in the book, it's Kali's the third body, right? Mm. And it's the one that he tack 
got new clothes for uh-huh. because he's this big oh, giant he dude. Proud. He was yeah. really excited was like, to get up in the guts. New outfit. <laughs> yeah. Get up in this. <laughs> okay. So we kind of lost <laughs> lost track. Uh we didn't get your answer, Josh. What was your favorite special effect in the movie? <laughs> Getting inside Ron Pro- No. <laughs> <laughs> um oh God. It's it's a hard choice, but I'm gonna go with uh Brian's accident. <laughs> I was gonna say that. <laughs> oh my god. That, that's, when that happened, I think that was when I said, ah, oh, this is so McCarrick. So, oh my God, it's so perfect. It's, it's what I always look for in, <laughs> uh, in any movie is a thing that should not be funny, but uh, <laughs> yeah, really yeah. in watching it with yeah. a group oh becomes hysterical. And the, it is treated with utmost seriousness it is a child getting hit by a car, so it is very serious. But they launch a dummy into the side of the house face first. He and flies through the air like he was ramped off of something. So yes. goddamn funny. The it's it's what makes it is that shot from the ground showing only the sky and seeing the kid just fly across the sky. But it's at an angle that's not natural because it's feet first. <laughs> And then he lands head first. <laughs> and so it also is a little jarring that way. And that connected to make it really funny to me. You have to explain what his impact against the wall was like. Oh, my God. Because it's, that's where I lost it. it. It's also like the idea that you could get. I get that if you're hit by a car, you are going to go a distance. I didn't realize how high up you'd go. <laughs> so you get like air. It's, yeah, you, that, <laughs> that's like, what I said. Like, where was boom. the ramp? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh. So he flies through the air, and then as he, on the downward trajectory, is met with a a wall, and there is a splat sound effect that when he (laughs) hits and falls away, there's just a red blotch where his face was. you see it later on the shot of him on the Mm -hmm. ground. It's in the background. It's just this pristine one clear shot. Make sure you get that in every shot. But then when David runs over and picks up his friend's head, what would have killed him right then? Mm -hmm. And the helmet... Breaks that away was into cool. I liked clean. That. Oh god, it's so good. Uh, it's but it was a, a real uh, Harold moment. Yeah. If I bet if that <laughs> that's another one. We talked about things that feel like they had to happen because of studios and it being on TV. I feel like you can't uh, like bullet train a kid into a wall for TV. <laughs> so <laughs> it had to be an upward arc. <laughs> yeah, to get rid of some of the make it less scary. Yeah, exactly. Real, yeah. Some, yeah. Interesting. Ben. Uh, my favorite uh, special effect. Yeah. You, well, you stole mine. I'm so, so sorry. I, I'm going to need a few more minutes uh, <laughs> to, to think about it. Maybe I'll, I'll come up with it later. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and talk about some of the things that they did change. We've alluded to that they changed some pretty major stuff. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, I think they are mm-hmm. things that could have easily been omitted from the book. And if not been necessarily better, it it wouldn't have lost anything. Can I say what my favorite change or vehicle to give us what we got in the book, but in mm-hmm. a different way was? It's David's visions. Because it's, mm-hmm, yeah. it's Pi coming to him. Like she's the one who tells him about the soap. And then for when they're in the theater, because there's no Audrey. And it took me, they were in the theater telling stories. And I'm like, wait a minute. No, Audrey, because they all meet each other suddenly. It is mm-hmm. very. It was very abrupt for me. Steve and Cynthia are at the grocery store, finding gross stuff. Uh, oh, <laughs> also, sorry. Back are you going to talk about the slot machine? 
No, I was going to talk about Steve and Cynthia's uh, moment of oh, near passion. The, can, the cantor. Yeah. yeah, I totally just derailed myself, but I have to. This is worth it, you guys. Steven Weber and that actress. Cynthia. <laughs> Cynthia have great chemistry. And when they touch the the statue and like the lighting in their room changes, which I thought was a cool mm-hmm. effect. And they're just, you're like, oh, they're going to, we're going to see it. This must be R-rated. <laughs> that was really cool. But anyway, I was like, chill out. They, it's ABC, come on. Did they? Man, they looked like I. I knew what they were imagining. <laughs> yeah, it was very uh, visceral. Yeah. But what I what I thought was cool is in the theater, David goes up. He's led by Pi up to the projection room, and she's like, "Look at this," and he's watching an old timey movie of what yeah. happened in the China Pit, and that was just. Really cool. We don't have like the Brian thing was very brief. We don't have the Reverend at all. It's all exposition. I was, it's, no, I was going to phrase that really poorly. I, I almost said, I'm glad they, I'm not because it's full of a lot of racism. But the fact that they showed the how bad the China pit was mm-hmm. after the vet. Mm-hmm. Uh, was Tom. like, yeah, when Soft he's telling the it. history of it. It's like, it, oh, they were all friends. Yeah, cool. yeah. David asks, like, well, is this really how things were? Because there are these stained glass windows in the theater of, like, the, the, the white people of, and the Chinese yeah. people getting along and being pals. And he's basically like, yeah, of course. But, you know, uh, elsewhere has, you know, had their problems. But here... The Chinese people were just uh, part of the community. And then he leaves it at that. And I was like, if this is a we can't talk about how bad racism is on ABC in 2006, mm. this sucks. <laughs> no, it did not. Well, and it's King, Stephen King and Mick Garris. Like, yeah, no, you know they're not going to let that happen. <laughs> yeah. And it goes into this the the way the the scene is played out in this like Nickelodeon is mm-hmm. very cool. It's very well done. Just a cool way to give us that without having that character and having her choke him out and mm-hmm. having the him meet Johnny in his vision and walking down a street and stuff. I do miss the whole mummy. Better hurry up, the mummy's <laughs> chasing us. Yeah, that's cute. I enjoyed the, uh, I did enjoy not having Audrey. It does really streamline it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, of the small changes that I thought were an improvement is the Mary and Ellen chase scene instead mm, of yeah. it being oh, them running and trying to show that. Uh, it wouldn't have played. It wouldn't have right. played. Yeah. yeah. And so the idea of making it this uh, like car chase kind of uh, epic struggle mm-hmm. was really cool. And it was a really nice tone or pace shift. And it got... Uh, got a tack jumping into that bird body that we were waiting for. <laughs> I just wish the bird had had a Ron Perlman line like Ellen did. Okay, so about <laughs> this. So, uh, when Ron Perlman, when, when Ellen first shows up as Tack, she immediately speaks in with like Ron Perlman's voice That's layered over That's because they know we top. want more Ron Perlman, <laughs> and You can't complain about that no, now. They I'm, gave you what you wanted. No, I'm not complaining, <laughs> but I am saying it is very funny to me that it kind of implies that 
Tack just talks like Ron Perlman. <laughs> it kind of implies well, that Ron Perlman, when he was talking, was just using Tack's real voice. I prefer that because the darker implication is that he retains their souls. Mm. I, I mean, I think we all know the real answer here is that some person at the ABC was like, but how are they going to know that it's yeah. The, yeah. the tack person? If it, yeah, I mean, if it you has gave a different them the voice. exact same makeup, and there, it's obvious. Exactly. But, but someone few, said, you yeah. know, someone was like, there people were a few are going to be like, who's that? Moments. Yeah. I do have to, while we're talking about this, I do have to make a little bit of a. Of a so Stephen King wrote the teleplay. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Which. <laughs> you did say this. It's great. Uh, the thing about Stephen King when he writes for television is that he sometimes forgets that we can see what is happening. <laughs> yes, that and, is true. Uh, there, there are a few points, but the one that I stands out in my head is when Steve and Cynthia show up at the lab. They walk into the room with the fish tank, <laughs> and Steve's like, "Oh, it's just fish tank. It's fine." And there is a shot that I was. One second away from going, that was really cool because it is shot from behind the fish tank Mm -hmm. and them walking up and staring into it. And you're like, what are they looking at? And it goes like the camera moves hands down and you see from the other side of the fish tank and them staring in at it and you see the hand. And then Cynthia goes, it's a hand. (laughs) I'm like, God damn it, Stephen King. We know. We can see it. I know that when you wrote it on the paper, you you had to make sure that we know that it's there. But we can actually see it because this is a television. Yeah. Uh, there there were several <laughs> moments like that. That's also in these adaptations. That's half of the that, fun. Yeah, Absolutely. that's the charm of something like this, too. Yeah. I forget that it, it's so hard to remember that because we exist in a time where so much media that's based off that that is an adaptation is treated so faithfully sometimes that we forget there was a period of time where things had to be made for that general audience yeah Yeah. and so they had to make some of those those switches i think but i mean that's what made us all so adamant for our faithful adaptations so it's a double-edged sword right (laughs) Uh, I do actually, we brought it up, but I would like to circle back to that market scene. Yes, please. I I thought you were going to talk about the slot machine again. (laughs) That's in the market, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yay. (laughs) Um, Now I'm actually wishing we could just keep referring to the slot machine, but never explain it. Uh, You know what? I'll just talk about this because that's the first thing that happens in the market, right? She walks in. No, please do. Yeah. There's a, a slot machine just inside the market and Cynthia sees a nickel. And grabs it, puts it in the slot machine. She's like, hey, watch this. And pulls it. And it lands on all cherries. And then blood just <laughs> okay. gushes out of it. What? What does that mean? How? <laughs> I like uh, Ben's, the- Ben's theory of the deleted scene. Yeah, yeah. No, I was hoping there was a deleted scene of just Ron Perlman pouring a bunch of blood in a slot machine. <laughs> just be giggling. like, this is a good bit. <laughs> <laughs> He's a prankster. <laughs> No, I. that was another point where I was like, I kind of like this because it's such a weird like thing it, that she it's did. it's so baffling. It's like, <laughs> I, I liked it when I thought it was just a characterization moment for Cynthia. To be like, mm-hmm. what a weird thing to do. You're in this horrible situation and she sees a quarter and is like immediately like, I'm going to play this big slot machine because I'm, uh, you know, uh, Manic Pixie Dream Girl or whatever. <laughs> 
And then the blood pours out of it. I, I was like, oh yeah, that's such a cool moment to be like, they're in this horrible situation. And then she wins the jackpot. And if coins mm-hmm. had poured out, I would have been like, that's a really good bit. I like that blood comes out. I'm like, sure. I, I like it because I was anticipating as soon as she pulled it, I was like, it's going to hit jackpot. Mm-hmm. A bunch of coins are going to shoot out and it's going to make so much fucking noise that mm. it's going to stir everything mm. in this place. Or she's like, going to reach in and there's going to be a can toy in there. Right. Yeah. Something like that. And then when it just bloodshot out, I was like, <laughs> McGarris, yeah. my dude. <laughs> so, somebody did that and then giggled. Yes. They were really pleased. <laughs> What's the other, what was the other blood uh, that, was it in the bathroom? Yeah, it was in yes. the bathroom scene, which also could have been just a vision. I don't it, think that really be, yeah. literally it happened. It had like some it vibes yes. with the with the unreality of those moments happening. I did. I liked the the red rum homage uh, it, when he's in the jail cell and when David's in the jail cell. Red mm. rum dog. Yeah, red rum dog. Yeah, <laughs> red rum dog. <laughs> red rum dog. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, yeah, Mick Garris got a Mick Garris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What the hell is a blue state unisex swingle? <laughs> <laughs> what a great <laughs> insult. I'm not going to explain that. No. I'm just wondering. Uh, I, I think Peter and Mary. And that's the answer, right? <laughs> it, it, yeah, that's what it is. It's them. <laughs> it has the same energy as the... I'm a Snapple drinking son of a bitch (laughs) or whatever. It's just a weird line that made me go, wait, what? (laughs) I did like the folksy sign outside the grocery store that said that instead of an hours sign, it just says, if we're open, we're open. If we're closed, come back, (laughs) y'all. Like, yeah, this place rules. Uh, Oh, the set, Uh, like the, the setting and all of that. What did you guys think of just... How everything Oh, the looks. town? The desperation? Town. I liked it. I, I thought it was a great it. set. I thought it looked like a great uh, updated version of one of those old west towns. Yes. <laughs> That's yeah. what it yeah. felt like. Well, I love that it, the first time we see desperation, uh, it's, you know, Mary and Peter being driven through the streets. And we see the upside down bicycles. But there's also just a corpse next to <laughs> Yeah, there also are two, we see two corpses. It's 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 awful. They get right to it, yeah, which I, I agree with. I, I completely yeah. love that choice. It makes it feel so much, so much scarier. Did you guys notice at the end when David has his yearbook and he opens it up to see the photo mm-hmm. of Pi and Johnny that all the bikes Shh. are upside down? No. Yeah. no. All the bikes are upside down in the picture behind them. I was too them. busy being confused. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I think, well, I, I was going to ask why, and then I realized that that is probably to add to the magic of it. Yeah. That it, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. There's a element in here that is not in the book, and I'm... Well. Well, no, I mean, I the way it's presented, mm-hmm. I'm just still working through what it represents. It's also another of those moments that if you hadn't read the book, I don't think you would have any fucking yeah. clue what to think of the end. For anybody who hasn't seen it, uh, at the at the very end, instead of him finding the excused early pass, uh, they go to Mary's car, open it up, and there's a yearbook with David Carver's name written on it in Johnny's handwriting. And they pull it out and... Uh, David flips it open and the very front page is a picture of Johnny on his knees with his arm around Pi, giving her a hug with uh, the Bible verse written in chalk in front of them and all the bikes upside down 
behind them. I wanted the deleted scene of Johnny making that yearbook. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's actually a good segue into something. I, I didn't I didn't ask beforehand whether we were gonna talk about this, but now I want to. Okay. So we watched this on YouTube. Uh, and the version that we watched was 15 minutes shorter than the version that you can buy on Amazon. So we don't know if we missed anything. There is nothing I can imagine in that 15 minutes that would make any of this make more sense to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to ask if we could speculate. What do you think we missed, if anything? Because I have one thing that I hope was in there because it's the thing that makes the least amount of sense. It's the biggest jump, I think. I think it has to be Johnny getting hit by the God Bomb, right? Yeah, we don't see that. Oh. I felt like, I mean... Or it, his him watching the movie of his memory is his God Bomb, I think. That's yeah, what that's I his thought. God Bomb. Oh, yeah. I- Yes. We don't see him under, like, getting hit with the one where he knows what he has to do. Yeah. And, like, his motivation, I feel like, doesn't make any fucking sense in this movie at all. Yeah. Because so much of that is removed. Mm -hmm. He's just, like, he sees, he remembers what happened in Vietnam, and then he's like... I'm good now. I'm good (laughs) now. And it it just doesn't connect. Doesn't have the weight. Like, I also kind of missed... David telling his dad not to go in because mm-hmm. those those two actors yeah. did a really good job like showing their grief and stuff when they were in the theater and talking about Ellen being gone. I was I was going to comment on that. I really they were selling it and I I just wanted more of of their relationship mm-hmm. kind of at the end because when that buzzard yeah flies out and attacks Ralph it's just all so quick. Not as impressive as a gold eagle (laughs) size wise um so i was hoping for a bigger bird but yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's not very big matt frewer can do anything like watching him play something so powerless and grief-stricken but trying desperately to hold it together Mm -hmm. and you just feel it but again like you said earlier ben i think if you didn't read it you don't understand like i mean you get theoretically the grief he's going through but it's just so much more pronounced in the book of how hard he's trying to hold on why doesn't matt frewer get more lead roles seriously he's so good i I, you know what i want to see i want to see a movie where matt frewer and tom noonan try to out them each other (laughs) does that make sense I, I just want to see them being tall and off-putting at each other for two hours. That's the name of the movie. Fucking tall awesome. And tall and tall. Two cops. <laughs> Matthew Tall and Jason Off-Putting. I love it. We'll send, uh, I'm going to message Mick to write. Um, oh. TM, TM. We're, we're writing that. Ben, did the American West feel like a place you'd want to hang out in? A thousand percent. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we didn't. It, it was um, it was smaller than I imagined it in the book. Yeah, no, it, it's it could have been a, a at least eighty percent dingier, and I still would. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not there. I love it. 
I uh, thought it was uh, <laughs> that was probably my favorite set of all yeah. of them. Uh, I, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Which character do you feel got more shorted? Uh, Tom or Cynthia? Good question. Mm. Because I didn't realize how much, like, I, if you had told me, like, if we cut out most of Tom's stuff, I, I wouldn't have expected to miss it as much as I did. I would probably say Tom because Cynthia's character, there were enough moments like with her and Steve playing off of each other that I feel like I got a better sense of her than I did Tom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go Cynthia actually, because Tom gets all like Tom's moment to shine is these big monologues where he's delivering all this mm-hmm. history. And those are really that character's big time to shine. Whereas Cynthia, I feel like we, I mean, yes, she's got very manic pixie dream girl energy about her, but with the movie, that's kind of all she is. We she didn't don't... call Johnny a cunt. Yeah, that's, that's what, what I'm trying missing. to say. <laughs> yeah. I'll just, I know, yeah. Sam sees right through cut me. To the, quick. the fact that she didn't call him a cunt has <laughs> <laughs> made me real sad. I know you can't do that on TV <laughs> yeah, for whatever reason. ABC in yeah, 2006. Uh, George Carlin <laughs> had a whole thing about it. ABC always be calling him a cunt. <laughs> always be calling him a cunt. <laughs> I, I figured it would just be the hair. You were just mad <laughs> I, uh, that yes. she didn't have two tone hair. I wanted the two tone hair. It's <gasps> such an important, yeah. it's such an important thing. Also, okay, we are currently reading the regulators mm-hmm. while we have started watching this, oh, so spoilers. we can't we can't talk about it yet. But uh, was I the only one that when they're doing that first jail scene and Kali asks him where he comes from and he talks about his address in Wentworth, Ohio, on mm-hmm. Poplar Street, and gave the I was like. Oh man, I know exactly <laughs> where that is. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's such a weird feeling. Yeah. And hearing uh hearing all these names. But we'll get to that next episode. But before we get to the regulator, should we rate this this bad boy? I, I have one more point that I wanted yeah. to talk about, and it is not a, a complaint. It is just something that made me smile every time, and that is the fact that Every coyote in the book is is replaced with just some good boys. Oh my god, that was the happiest dog in that jail. Honestly, I love it too because King just kills us with this animal cruelty in Mm. so many of his books. And I feel like this is him and Mick Garris being like, you guys, it's okay. There you go. They're good boys. (laughs) made me... It didn't get a full laugh, but just... When they're driving down the highway, when mm-hmm. he's picked up Johnny, and the scene of the coyotes lining the highway, and it's just a, obviously a bunch of pet dogs. Yeah. I was like, that's great. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it did heal my heart. And when watching the dog in the jail cell, who's supposed to be viciously attacking <laughs> yeah. him, it's when wagging. the shot of David running out and closing the door behind him, the dog's tail's just wagging so <laughs> hard. Like, I'm <laughs> so happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah terrific so uh do we guys want to rate this okay i'll start okay. It's, it's as i was watching it the parts that annoyed me about the book annoyed me even more <laughs> okay. and as we watched it there were a few points where i was like this makes me want to retroactively lower my score for the book oh but <laughs> the magic of watching a movie with your friends <laughs> and talking about it has uh, done a, a miracle 
<laughs> and made me, I had a really good time. I guess four out of five blue chambray shirts. Nice. What did I rate? I wrote the, rated the book a four out of five, right? I think, I think so. so. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, uh, yeah, sure. Also, uh, Mick Garris just messaged me. Oh, shit. Uh, Hi, Mick. <laughs> so, if you're hearing this, you're, then the, you know exactly when this is happening, Mick, because you just messaged me. Because uh, we Please mentioned. Please don't be mad about that thing I just said. <laughs> um, we mentioned at one point as we were watching it that because this movie takes place during a storm, a desert storm, a desert yeah. uh, sandstorm, that all the scenes outside, the wind is just whipping through them, but the performances come out clear. The and anything that yeah. was ADR'd matches the physicality. Being a resident audio person is like, how they get rid of all yeah. that wind. So, uh, so I sent him a message and I said, do you remember how you tackled the challenge of dialogue with those uh, massive windy scenes? And he said, with a good sound mixer and a little looping. Nice. <laughs> so now yeah. uh, we've shared that secret with the audience. I'm, I am I just got to talk to Mick Garris about <laughs> desperation. So five out of five blue chambray shirts. <laughs> I, I, no, I, sincerely, I was, I was going to go with four. Because for me, like the sort of era of filmmaking is like, it puts me at about a four and I love it and I've had fun. But yeah, that that just happened. <laughs> yeah, I get another star. Thank you, McGarris, for being such a amazing, cool guy to us all the time. Y'all, five I out of five blue shamber I shirts. don't think our rating system is very objective. <laughs> <laughs> now that you mention it, it does seem a bit arbitrary. Yeah. <laughs> That's it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us for our next episode where we will be covering our next Patreon selection pick, The Regulators, and we are reading through Chapter 4. For Benjamin Graham and CM Alexander, I'm Joshua Khan reminding you, they don't call them murder cycles for nothing, and I'm a wolf. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to Desperation Part 5. We hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can keep in touch with us and other King fans in several cool ways. Join our Discord for several cool discussions by clicking the link in the show notes. Follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Dairy Public Radio or Twitter at Dairy Public. You can always email us your thoughts at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow our friends Stephen King Lovers SKL on Facebook for a friendly community of people who love talking King. That's Stephen King Lovers SKL. And finally, check out our Patreon for monthly bonus episodes at the $5 and up tier and visit our Etsy store for merchandise. Just search Dairy Public Radio on those platforms. Thank you all so much for your Patreon support and for your ratings and reviews. We sincerely appreciate you. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.